First Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. For Christian athletes and coaches, what can we learn from this verse? How can we apply this to everything that we do, no matter what age that we are? On this episode, Matt Davis, Vice President of Sports at Christian Sports International, comes on the show to talk about this verse and how we can apply it in related topics to the sports that we know and that we love. Matt has so much experience in sports outreach and reaching youth through sports, and it was apparent throughout our entire conversation how passionate he is about this topic, and he has great insight into how this verse is the cornerstone of what they do at CSI. I really loved how Matt applies this topic to athletes during our conversation, and I think it goes without saying that no matter who you are, what age you are, or where you find yourself, you can be a leader for Christ anywhere. So I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Also, please make sure to stick around after the conversation for another How Do You See God in Sports story. This one truly can be helpful for anyone that listens, but for now, let's get into it. Welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today we get to talk to Matt Davis. Matt, thank you so much for coming on today, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So as we get into it today, can you please give us some background on uh, your experiences as a Christian and in sports? For sure. Yeah. So I grew up um, a sports nut. I was that kid that was playing every sport. I played in the backyard, baseball, basketball, football. I played competitively. Uh, baseball and basketball and soccer uh, were my were my and baseball and soccer were my main sports. So I played all that. My first word was ball. Um, so from a very young age, you know, I'm I'm, I'm always around it. I, I, I'm old enough to remember you know, checking out the scores in the in the Philadelphia Inquirer. You know, I was a Phillies fan. I grew up in suburban Philadelphia, so checking the scores every day, looking to see how the Phillies did, and and that was just kind of my life. So I, you know, as I got older, it's it, it still became it was always probably the most important thing in my life. So I would say my experience as a Christian athlete, I was a Christian who was an athlete. Mm. Um, but was it, was it, was my faith the biggest part of what I did? No. Um, I, I was saved at a, at a young age. Um, I followed Jesus, but you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a deep love. It wasn't a deep passion of mine. It was kind of like I put God in my Sunday box, you know, so I went to church I did the youth group thing. I, I again, I was saved very young. But then when I went and did my sports or I did anything else, it was just like, I'll go to God if I need him. Um, I know that I'm saved, but you know, there was, that was kind of where it stopped. Right. So, so I would say I was, a, I was an athlete who was a Christian, you know, but a Christian athlete, if, if that makes sense. Um, so I went up, you know, through high school, I played soccer and baseball uh, were my sports. And then I, I retired from soccer at the end of my sophomore year, went on focus on baseball, had dreams and aspirations of playing in college, wanted to go pro. I was never that good. Um, but college baseball was still something that I was really hungry for. And, and as all the other guys got older, I got smaller and it kind of defied, like, you know, it didn't really make sense. Go on to find out that I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, um, in my, you know, end of junior year, early senior year. So that kind of like crippled any kind of chance I had of getting recruited to play baseball. Um, I was 125 pounds, second baseman. Nobody's recruiting that guy. Um, so in, in that, and we'll get into identity and all these things later, but in that, that was really the first crushing blow of, 
what are you doing, God? Like, don't you understand? I have plans here. I have plans. I don't really care what your plans were, you know, that kind of thing. So those were my conversations in that. And and God really had, as I look back, um, that's where I really got to experience God for the first time in my life because he had to take that from me because he, he, you know, I realized that that was my, my identity was in that. This is my thing. This is what I live for. Um, so you know, sports has been big, but it's also where I saw God move in my life a lot because again, he had to get my attention and that was my love, you know? So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of my, my experience through high school, uh, kind of blew up. My career went on. I didn't do anything in college for, for those reasons. I ended up going to university of Pittsburgh and wasn't going to go walk on a D one school. Uh, so that, that was kind of, kind of over. And then at now, you know, I'm, I work in full-time ministry in the sports world, uh, but I had no aspirations to that. That was, that was a total God thing where God just kind of opened up these doors. I was ready to, to, to kind of call it quits and just have my sports be like a recreational thing. Uh, went into the corporate world for a while, did some recruiting and sales and those kind of things. And then I started serving as a baseball coach um, in an inner city ministry here in Pittsburgh called Urban Impact and fell back in love with it and really started seeing God move in a way that I hadn't seen him move before, you know, in the sense that like, man, like I actually encounter God on a baseball field. Like I can, I can see him moving and tugging on my heart too, which was really interesting. Um, so through that time, God has used sports to catch my attention and to really show his love for me um, and then flip kind of the hierarchy of, yeah, sports is an idol for me. And now I need to put God above all things, right? If that makes sense. So, so now here I am, you know, fast forward, I've been working in full-time sports ministry for about 11 years. And, and even in the beginning, like I had to see God kind of transform my heart through this process. Um, In the beginning, it was like, well, sports, I love sports. That's easy. I love kids. That's easy. Jesus, love him too. So we'll put them all together. But over time, God started transforming my heart, even on that end to see, help me see this from a godly perspective. Like this is where God can, can really be, uh, be glorified in this and, and really be effective too, as we, as we move forward. And you have a question later we can talk about, but God's kingdom is here in sports too, right? God can use this, um, strategically, as we get into this post-Christian world where not everybody just goes to church anymore, that that's just not a thing. So how do we bridge the gap? How do we go out to the, to an unbelieving world and we get to be Jesus? Well, sports is an opportunity to do that. Um, so I love where God has me. I think God has really um, emptied me a lot of, of my own stuff and my own flesh and, and those kind of things and really given me this perspective of, yeah, God has me here for a reason. And this is really vital, I think, for 2023 and beyond. Yeah. Absolutely. What an unbelievable journey that you've, that you've gone through as a player and then now as a, you know, as a sports ministry leader. When you, st- when you had to stop playing, how did that shape how you viewed yourself and how you viewed God in that moment? Great question. Yeah, identity was definitely, you know, and I think it's true of us as men. I saw it first in athletics, but I think we tend to do this a lot, just no matter what it is, is what's the first question you typically ask a guy when you meet him? What do you do for a living, right? Yep. So what's, what's your title? Uh, for me, my title was baseball player. My title was w- w- whatever I did, you know, and, and it wasn't as a child of God. So my identity was was off. Um, so it was really, you know, th- those were some really hard times. And again, God was really faithful in that because those were my conversations of. And, and, and I think back to and I cringe at some of the things I've said to God because there's just such arrogance in the way that I spoke to the creator of the universe. Right. And it's like, man, mm. thank God for his grace, because like, what are you doing? You, I Don't you understand? I have plans here never even thinking for a second that there's a sovereign God who's working here to do something in my life 
for you know working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, right in Romans. So I didn't see that in the beginning, but over time, because of his grace, I also use that as my identity was just exploded. Um, that's also where he drew really close to me and I got to see and, and sense his presence in ways I'd never experienced before. So, um, so yeah, identity was huge because of, I, I didn't identify with it as a child of God. If you would ask me back then, I am, I am, I would have described what I did. Um, and, and now I can, he's fixed that perspective and I know that I am his, I'm his. And yeah, I think that's such a common issue in today's Christian athletic world. Like, you know, so many people say, oh, I'm a baseball player. Oh, I'm a soccer player. Oh, I'm a football player. Instead of, you know, first and foremost, I'm a child of God and not putting him on the pedestal instead of instead putting your sports on the pedestal, which is backwards and counter Christian, I should say. But how does now, how does your faith and your love for sports shape the ministry that you do have in Pittsburgh? So it, it really, the, my, the transformation in my journey started when, when God started to show me that my picture of God was wrong. So I, I had this picture of God that he was kind of like out to get me. I don't know where it came from, <laughs> but it was, it was very like, I have to earn his love. It was very performance-based, which probably came from athletics, right? It was like, you're, you're, you're used to performing for people. So he kind of had, not kind of, he blew up my perspective, my, my views of God along the way. And, he, and he's given me this journey so then I can now invest in others. Because like you said, this is so prevalent in the world of athletics. So he's given me this testimony that now there are others that are going to be encountering the same thing. So that is something that God has changed my perspective on is this is why you're here. And I had somebody that asked me, are, are you, do you really believe that you're called into ministry or is it sports ministry? And I believe it's sports because of this testimony that God has given me. I think, again, we just talked about it's, it's a really vital place for us as a mission field. Um, and, and I look back at my experiences and, and God has been preparing me for this. Um, for, for such a time as this, right? So, so that's really near and dear to my heart is um, there are others going through it and I want to help, you know? So that, that's really what kind of drives me is God. I, and I kind of know what's on the other side, right? It's like, man, this is what a relationship, it's not just a religion. It's not just going through the motions and the Sunday thing. It's, it's a, it's a surrendered life of, of God. You can have it all. And, and that, that came in that process and I kind of went kicking and screaming for a little while. Um, but once you surrender, man, holy cow, you know, so that that's, and any of the guys that I, the team that God has assembled around me are amazing. And that's our story. Like each one of us can go around and have a story of this is what God did in my life. You know, when I was in this place, he, he pulled me up and he, and he, and he fixed my perspective and he transformed my heart. I love Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, God is God turned my heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Because I was so performance-based, I became really bitter and angry. You know, it impacted my heart. You know, then leads to all kinds of other ugly stuff, which also then flipped into insecurities and all these kind of like ugly cocktail of just kind of gross <laughs> strongholds that Satan had in my life. And and he had to fix that. And now my my prayer is that God then puts other people in my life that my testimony will be effective for. And as we get into our topic today, I, I really wanted to focus today on how athletes and coaches can learn from 1 Timothy 4.12. You know, that's the cornerstone of what you do with CSI. And I, I think there's so much in the Bible that we can learn and we'll, we'll spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out Christ's teachings. But 
What can athletes and coaches learn from this verse specifically? Yeah, I, I love I love this verse. It was it was a verse that God gave me, and and just so we know what we're talking about too. First Timothy four twelve says, "Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, mm-hmm. but set an example for all believers in faith, love, speech, purity, and conduct." Right. So so that verse was first started, and I think it's it's the way that my story has been going. God had to do it in my life first. So that verse was given to me. God gave it to me at a, at a perfect time that I needed it. Um, and then through that process, God also then revealed that this is important, I believe, for the next generation of, of leaders that are coming through, no matter whether they're 9 or 15 or 22 or whatever. Um, so I think it's a really important thing. And, and it, But it's a, also, it's an interesting verse because I think it takes a lot of submission and a lot of humility to do it because if you're if you're the young person, if you're Timothy, you could take that verse and say, you can't look down on me because I'm young, right? And it's like, no, no, that's not completely it. Like we need to honor our authority. We need to submit to our authority. Along this journey, God took me to study the life of David. I think David is a phenomenal example of how to submit. You know, he is the anointed leader, right? But he still has to submit to Saul. And the way that he did that is unbelievable. Um, so I think first off, we start with the, the younger generation and, and whoever that might be, we won't put an age on it, but whatever the younger generation is, we still need to submit and honor our authority. Um, but also God is going to do something. I really believe in this younger generation uh, that's going to impact the church, that's going to impact the sports world, whatever it is. You know, I believe it's it's a modern day Esther, like for such a time as this, God designed these guys. You know, where it's, and I hear a lot and it kind of like hurts my heart a little bit because, you know, youth are kind of coming under attack because they're maybe things, they look a little bit different today. You know, it's, they're playing video games all the time. They're apathetic. They're whatever it might be. They're, yeah, they're, they're different, but that doesn't mean that God has made a mistake. You know, he didn't like, oops, I forgot. I, I meant to put that kid at 1974. I, I No, God is, God is sovereign over all of this. And he's designed these guys for such a time as this. So it's our responsibility then to equip them and empower them and help them see that. Um, but also not then it's not a, oh, there can't be, there's got to be a submission there, I think, too, to say God is going to do something through these guys. And we may have to submit ourselves to them as well, too, and say, I, I, I could learn something from that generation, you know? Um, so I, I love that verse. I think it's really powerful. And um, I, I, I went to a, a training once. At a, at a church. And, and I don't remember a lot of what they talked about, but the one thing that I took away that it was this gem that sticks with me. They said, your greatest fruit is going to be on someone else's tree. And, and that was like, whoa, like I needed that to remind me too, to say, Hey, that's, that's Jesus's model is multiplication, right? If all I'm doing is working, I, revival has to start with me and my heart. I can't look at everybody else. Like it's got to start here, but then we now need to go out and multiply. And, and say, hey, here's what God, and that's really what it is. A friend of mine used to always say, I'm simply one beggar telling another beggar where I found bread. Like, this is what God <laughs> did in my life, right? And this, look at the fruit. And my prayer is that people see Jesus in me. Um, and and so, yeah. And, and the last thing about that, too, is um, a, another friend of mine, God has surrounded me with some really awesome people. Um, another friend of mine would remind us, hey, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. Right. So all believers have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us. So there's not a junior version of that. So the one, the Holy Spirit that my son has as a, as a nine-year-old is the same that I have. So who am I to say what God can do through that nine-year-old boy? 
and, and I see him and I see what God is, is preparing him for. And it's, he's given me for a reason to help empower and equip and to, to see that, you know, and to help him, help him see that. I think a lot of youth don't, don't know what fully what they have. Like they, they don't, they don't see that, what God has placed in them. Um, so I think it's our, our opportunity, our, our privilege to, uh, to help them see that. Yeah. I never thought like a, there's, it's the same Holy Spirit, no matter what age you're at, no matter how old you are. And I, I love that you said like, you know, a lot of people look at today's, the young generation today, and they're just like, what is going on with them? I, I think that happens every single generation. I, I think it, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, no matter what age you're at, the Holy Spirit's the same. The Holy Spirit doesn't change depending on your age. And how do you preach to the athletes that you work with that they are never too young to to lead and be a witness for Christ? Yeah, I think again, it's just it's modeling, right? So it's it's while we, I love First Timothy four twelve, I'd say another cornerstone verse is is Matthew six thirty three. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So I think it really starts with with the identity piece and and what kingdom are you a part of? What are you really seeking? You know, if, if we're seeking to glorify ourselves, uh, that's where you get in a lot of this mess, right? But if if we're seeking to glorify God and we trust that God is is really sovereign over over all this and has designed us, uh, it, it really like changes your heart. It changes your perspective. It's the the eyes you see things through. And now you, it's a lot easier to speak to. Hey, God has put you here for a reason. You're not a mistake. You know, he designed you and, and we want to help you with that. And you're, and guess what? You're going to help me with that too, because your faith, your childlike faith or whatever it might be is going to inspire me. And I have to have the humility to say, I'm going to learn something from, from the youth that I'm working with, uh, as much as I'm going to help them. <laughs> That's what got my, when I first started serving in ministry, you know, you kind of have this, probably this arrogance, right? Like I'm going to help serve a lot of kids. And the reality is like, I learned more from serving those kids than any kind of impact I had. God taught more, you know, more to me about my life and, and his love. And, and I learned a ton from the, from the kids I've worked with. Um, so I think it's kind of the same way as if you come in with that, the humility to say, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And he's, guess what part of that's going to come from? I'm might, you, I might learn something from a nine-year-old boy or, or whatever it might be. So, um, but again, I think it goes back to identity. I think it's, it's, this is what God has designed you for. And, um, we don't put them in a box, the Sunday box. I think God really wants to blow all that stuff up that some of those things we've kind of talked about and learned about in the church over the last 30 years is God wants access to all these things. And that, that might be the baseball field. That might be the AAU court, not might be, it will be, you know, and what a great opportunity to live out your faith. You know, I think it's, it's not just, it's not just, you know, evangelizing on a basketball court. It's also being real. You know, when, when that might be the only time that an unbelieving world sees a believer. And if I mess up, like it, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to, you know, if I'm in a baseball game and the umpire's bad, like I'm going to have my moments you know, where it's like, come on, man. Yeah. But then it's up to me then to not be perfect, but then to go back and demonstrate humility and say, Hey, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That was so stupid. Like that, that, that alone is so countercultural. And even in coaching, when you're coaching your kids, like how many coaches did you have come up to you that said, dude, I shouldn't have yelled at you. My bad. Would you please forgive me? Like, I don't remember any coach saying that to me. So what a great way to be Jesus. You know, what a great way for them, for, for someone to see Jesus in you to say, my bad, <laughs> you know, please forgive me. I think this applies to every single 
level of sport that you're at, especially in high school and college, you know, freshmen, not a whole lot of times have a really big uh, leadership role when they first get there. And I think having that within their minds and saying like, hey, I might not have a status on this team right now, but Jesus says that I can be a leader no matter what you know, the seniors say, no matter what the junior upperclassmen say, uh, I think that's so important for any athlete, you know, no matter their age, no matter if you're playing T-ball or playing in the majors, how important is it to trust in others around you, no matter if you're a coach or you're a player. And I think we, we touched on this in our pre-show conversation. Uh, you really rely on the coaches and the people that you have around you while you're coaching and mentoring. How, how important is that to just being able to trust in others? Yeah. And it, it, it might sound a little cliche. I would say cliche, but like, it really does start with a trust of, of God, right? As, is yeah. there is again, the power of the Holy spirit. If, if he is living and dwelling within anybody that I'm working with, then I don't have to put them in a box. I don't have to, I, I can empower them and trust them to, to go out and do the work that God's called them to do. And then it's that multiplication effect down into the kids, the team, whatever, whatever the setting might be. Um, so I think it does start with a connection. You know, we talk a lot about being connected to your power source. Who's your power source? If your power source is you, is your own strength, your own flesh, that tends to be where we make our make a lot of the mistakes, right? Is whatever it might be. It might be a, uh, we're power hungry or we're, we just, whatever the, the, the struggles are. But when you're plugged into the power source that is God and he's the one working and flowing through you, then you can trust the work of the Holy Spirit in, in, in your staff and the people around you because they're plugged into the same power source as you are. So, so I think you have to trust your people, but it's also, it starts with a trust from God, you know, and, and that God is working through the people that you've, that he's brought to you. And we've seen that, man. Like, I can't tell you how many people God has put in our path that are just like, we're just, the, the connection, the backgrounds are cool and the sport is cool, but there's a different connection when you have a godly man, you just see God in that you're like so like-minded. Like I can, I can sense it in you already, right? It's like, there's something about God when the Holy Spirit's like oozing out of somebody that it's like, I, I'll go run through a wall for that guy. Cause it's, it's not, a, it's not a natural, it's not a natural connection, right? There's a, there's a godly connection here. You're like, and you're right. It doesn't mean you're not going to have your issues, um, but but it's fun to do do things and, and and to serve the king with uh with like-minded people too. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the compliment. Yeah, I I do have a lot of issues. A lot. We all do. A lot of issues. We all do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what what advice would you give to an athlete that they're struggling to make a difference on their team because they're worried about their age or their status or you know, they're not playing even. What advice would you give them to just stick out and stand and, and be a leader on their teams? It really does come back. I believe, like you said, this is a, this applies to different teams. And, and the great thing about, there's so many great things about God, but God's principles apply, whether this is sports or the marketplace or ministry or yep. church. Like, so if, if, if we're supposed to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added. That applies to the baseball field. That applies to the basketball court. That applies to whatever you're in. Um, I, I always think back to the a really good example for me is is the uh, the miracle of the fish with Peter, right? Like he's been fishing all night and he's been fishing in his in his own strength, right? Because he he got nothing and then he comes ashore and Jesus is is like, no, put the net on the other side. And, and I have to think like, Peter's like, really, dude, like you're a carpenter. What do you know about fishing? And then he's like, fine, I'll do it. 
And then he does it because Jesus is God, <laughs> you know, so guy, he knows, he knows what he's talking about. And I think we can, we can do that in sports is, well, and I know I've done it for, and, and I have some cool stories about that, the way God kind of blew that up. But what is, what does God know about baseball? What does God know about coaching baseball? Everything. He created this stuff, you know, he, he's, and he's put these desires in our hearts. So he knows what he's talking about because his principles apply. So let's start with who are you? Know, what are we seeking? Are we seeking our own glory? Or are we seeking the glory for the king? Um, so I, I think I would start there. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you and then trust them and walk in that. Yeah, I think as an athlete, you tend to, I don't know if separates the right, right word, but you just don't think of the sins that you struggle with in sports as the same sins that Jesus struggled with. And they're the exact same. Obviously, Jesus wasn't an athlete. He was a carpenter, but he struggled with glory. He struggled with power. He struggled with Satan when Satan brought him to the mountaintop and said, hey, you can have anything. And athletes, they want that. They want to be playing at the best level that they can be. And it's so important to just stay grounded and stay in the word and memorize scripture like 1 Timothy 4.12, like Matthew 6.33, like be invested in in prayer and reading because that's as christians that's the the biggest thing for us and, and you said a big one there too that that has really been really vital for for the work god's done in my life is prayer um tony mm. evans talks about how prayer can kind of be like the obligatory national anthem like we pray before a game out of obligation yeah but that's not the way what that's not what we're supposed to do with prayer like the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Like, are we praying because we're supposed to, or are we praying because we actually believe that God hears our prayers and will move on our behalf? You know, and 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 a lot of the time, he ends up changing our own heart through that process. But prayer is so vital. You know, so are we really men of prayer? I think, um, you know, knowledge is important. Bible study is so important. It's vital as we're, you know, we're quoting scripture left and right. But I think, and this isn't completely true, but but in my experience, it kind of seems like the men do the the Bible study, and the women do the praying. And what if we brought that together? I think we're supposed to do all of it. You know, it's like knowledge is important, but it can't all be knowledge. There has to be worship. There has to be prayer. There has to be fasting. There has to be these things that help us connect what we know in our head to our hearts, right? So that that's all part of that lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's it's not. And I think as an athlete, what I saw too was like you said. I'll keep that stuff over here. And then when I'm done my season, I'll go back to it or whatever it might be. And, and that's not what God, God doesn't want those boxes. He wants, he wants access to your game day. He wants access to you in the middle of the game when you're 0 for 2 and you struck out twice. He's there with you and he wants, and he wants to you know, help you get out of these fleshly moments where you're just like, I want to break something with this bat because I'm 0 for 25 and I haven't hit anything, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I think God, I really believe God wants to blow those things up and say, I, I want to be with you there. You got to, you got to let me in though. I, I think you touched on this next question a little bit before, but I think that one thing that really stuck out to me when we were talking earlier was you said this and I wrote it down when you said it, just because we know Jesus doesn't mean we're okay with losing. That is something that should be screamed from the mountaintops as a Christian athlete. Like we, we cannot allow ourselves to be okay with losing because we're just because we're Christians, because I mean, yes, we want to be humble. We want to stay humble, but at the same time, we're athletes, man. We want to win. You know what I'm saying? And I just would love if you expounded on that and explained 
why you maintain that stance. Yeah, I, I think I really do believe that. I mean, Jesus wasn't weak. You know, yeah. he didn't look like he, he wasn't the leader that, that the, the, the Israelites wanted him to be, but he wasn't weak. You know, he, he was, he was a, a militant towards sin. He was militant towards the kingdom of darkness. Uh, so he, he won, man. I mean, he, we fight from victory, not for victory, right? So all these things. So I do believe, it, but it, it's got to be, God looks at the heart for a reason. So what's your heart posture? What's your reason for winning? Is it because who gets the, you know, if God is getting the glory for the victory, then we need to win. If I'm getting the, vic the glory for the victory, then that's something I think God has to do. But yeah, I think we need to do things with excellence. As, as followers of Jesus, the world, my, this isn't true of everybody, but this is just, again, my experience, kind of my context. Before I got into full-time sports ministry stuff, my, my impression of um, like Christian athletics was it's okay that we lose and we're not very good because we do Jesus. Well, that, that stinks. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we do things with excellence? And that's really the premise of what I try to do the best that I can in the, the work that we do. When we do baseball camps, when we do, a, we started a baseball academy last year, we should be the best. You know, we should run, offer great instruction. We should, we should have really good leaders. We should, because we're doing it under the banner of, of the King, you know, for the King. Um, so, and there's a whole conversation we can have about, about what that looks like and, and maybe why it can't be done. But, uh, yeah, I think we should, I think we should do all things with excellence and, and that usually with that comes winning, <laughs> you know, if you're really good at what you do. Yeah, exactly. And I think Christians in the past have been scared to win because they don't have a strong foundation. Um, and they know if they do win or have success, they're going to, you know, make it all about themselves and not about Jesus who gave you that opportunity to compete and now to win. You know, and I think that's, it, it just goes without saying that you need to have a, a strong foundation, even as an athlete, no matter what you're doing. And I, I think you really, really do a good job at that. And UNC aside, definitely do a good job at building that foundation before athletes even compete. Yeah, we're trying. And again, it, it, it does go back to identity and all these things we've talked about, but who is getting the glory? Are we trustworthy with the glory? You know, who can we, can we be trusted with what he wants to do? Is it going to point to us or is it going to point to, to the King? And, and, and he's had to do, and, and it's really interesting because God's been putting athletes and former coaches in my life um, who are friends of mine now who have done the same. We all have similar stories kind of in different worlds of, you know, parts of sports where God had to pull us out, kind of like fix us and fix our hearts and our perspectives so he could put us back in and we could be trustworthy with that. Cause otherwise, you know, five years, 10 years, 12 years ago, it was all about, about me, man. Even in ministry, you know, it was about, well, look how good I look, you know, look at the man, look at, and we do, we tend to, we have a tendency to glorify the man, even the church, man. I mean, how many celebrity pastors are there out there? And, and it's like, and, and that's not always the pastor's fault. A lot of it is just our faults because we tend to worship stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's a John Calvin quote. We're like, we are idol factories, right? We make an idol out of anything. So if you don't have the appropriate posture, you're not in the appropriate place with God, then, you know, you can make an idol out of anything. And we do it with pastors. We do it with a lot of things like that. So winning is, is <laughs> the end all be all. And that, I think that's part of the problem. I think that's why in response to that, we as Christians can be like, well, we can't win because it's like this idol. Well, yeah, you're right. But it's, it's a posture. What's, what's my why? God looks at the heart for a reason. What's my why? 
Wow, Matt, thank you so much for coming on today. I, I just really respect what you and CSI do. Uh, it's so so needed in today's society, in today's sports world. Uh, just having you on just showed me like how amazing the ministry is and how just amazing that you are as a person, as a leader. So thank you again for coming on. Thanks for the opportunity. I love what you're doing. So keep up the good work. It's a, it's a privilege. And um, yeah, let's do it again sometime. All right, this How Do You See God in Sports example comes from Niall Muniz. He says, Normally I see Christ shine when I know if certain players or coaches are Christian people. I can see their Christ-likeness by how they respond to circumstances of the game. And in a like manner, unfortunately, more often than the above example, is when players and coaches don't seem to have much of a care about how others view their outbursts or responses to circumstances in the game, and it therefore shows how they are not Christ followers. This is definitely a good point from Niall. It just goes to show that no matter what, someone is always watching how you act, how you carry yourself, and how you react to things that happen to you as an athlete or even as a coach. So those are some great thoughts from Niall. But for all listeners out there, please make sure to share this episode and subscribe to the show. It means more to us than you may know. But if you don't get anything else from this, just remember this. Jesus loves you, and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you next time.